Last week, we started a three-week sermon series on what it means to be St. Matthew's, and what it means to be this particular group of people at a United Methodist Church who call ourselves followers of Jesus of Nazareth. What does it mean to be St. Matthew's? And we started last week at the only logical place for us to start, with loving God. Because as believers, that is the only place for us to start. Knowing God, loving God, that is the point of our life. Being in relationship with God is everything. And so last week we talked about ways that we can love God more, know God more, and be in relationship with God. And we touched on on things we could do by setting aside time, by reading our Bibles, prayer, worship, being outside, and, and being in awe the fact that the one who created us created the world and the entire universe. And also just in the mundane everyday and in the stressful and in the good of the everyday, choosing to be aware of God's presence with us. Choosing to take a deep breath and just be thankful that God is with us. Doing those things, making ourselves more aware of God's presence, that's how we love God more. But we don't just stop at loving God. That's not just who we are as St. Matthews. That's not just who we are as believers. Last week I talked about a scripture passage from the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus was teaching and a lawyer came up to him and said you're giving us all these commandments so tell us what the greatest commandment is and Jesus told him it's to love God with everything that we are but then before the lawyer could walk away Jesus continued and he said the second greatest commandment is like this, to love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer didn't ask what the top two greatest commandments were. The lawyer only cared about knowing the greatest commandment. But Jesus made a point of stopping him and saying, we love God, but then we love one another. So why is that? I mean, Jesus doesn't really explain, but there's a quote from Catholic writer Dorothy Day that I want us to be thinking about. She wrote, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. 
Think about that. In, in today's passage from Luke, Jesus had just returned to his hometown after spending 40 days being tempted by the devil. 40 days of temptation, and now he gets to return home. He gets to stand in a synagogue in front of people who knew him, in front of people who helped raise him. And he stood and he was handed the scroll to read. And I'm sure that some of the people in the synagogue were beaming with pride. As we would when a young man or a young woman whom we know would stand before us and read or pray. This was a young man that community knew. And he stood before them and he read from the book of Isaiah. He read that the passage about God has sent me to bring good news. Pardon, freedom, healing. This is the year, Jesus read. This is the year that God will act. And then after he rolled up the scroll, he gave it the, to the attendant and he sat down. And what the message translation says that he said is this. You all have witnessed history in the making because this passage has now come true in this place. All these things have come true in this place. The people in the synagogue really liked what they were hearing. They were like, bring on the good news. Bring on the blessings. But in the verses following today's passage, Jesus kept talking. And he basically told the people... God's good news isn't just for y'all in the synagogue. God's good news isn't just for the Jews. God's good news is for everyone, including the Gentiles that everyone in the synagogue despised. And as soon as Jesus said that, The text said that the people in the synagogue ran him out of town. They were so mad at the fact that he even insinuated that God's love reached to the people they despised. That they were willing to try and throw him off a cliff. They were fine loving their Jewish neighbor. They weren't fine, however, loving the Gentile neighbor. Love God, love people. We hear that so much. But how often do we hear it 
when we think of the people we don't like. When we think of the people who have hurt us when we have tried to love them. When we've tried to care for them. The older we get, the more we know the pain of what it means to love our neighbor. The fear of what comes sometimes with loving our neighbor. So where do we start? Because as Jesus made clear in the Gospel of Matthew, we can't just stop at loving God. We have to love our neighbor as well. It's part of what it means to be faithful. Loving our neighbor is as simple as starting with one another. It's starting with our church family by being present with one another, by knowing one another, by realizing that there is a reason that we're together, that we choose to be a faith community so that we can encourage one another, so that we can help bear one another's burdens and help celebrate one another's joys. Loving one another is taking communion to those who are sick or unable to come to church anymore. Loving one another is taking meals or writing cards. Loving one another is looking at each other and saying, especially when the other person is so low, looking them in the eye and saying, I see you. I see you for who you are. You are a child of God. Making sure that they remember that. But we don't just stop at loving one another in a church or loving fellow Christians. We're also called to love the neighbor we don't know. To love the neighbor who annoys us. To love the neighbor who takes up the entire aisle in Kroger. Because we all know those instances. To love the neighbor who says things about us that make us want to cry. To love the neighbor who hurts us. What does it mean to love that neighbor? Or to love the neighbor we don't know? There's so many different ways we're called to love. If you took part of birthday gift for Christ... You loved a neighbor. You made Christmas happen for 80 families who wouldn't have had one otherwise. 
80 families that we didn't know, but who needed to know that God had not forgotten them. People who needed to know that God's love was present and real. Or what about the team that goes to Honduras every year to take clean water or build the wells for clean water, medical aid, or helping them have a roof? What about the teams that work with our Hispanic partner church in Forest and helping those families acclimate to living in America or to learning English or to living in a new environment. We love our neighbor by working with Madcap and helping to fight poverty in our own backyard, helping to make sure that someone else's child doesn't go to bed hungry or that they have enough supplies to get through the school year. Loving our neighbor by taking Wednesday night dinner each week across the street to the fire department. We also love our neighbor by forgiving our neighbor. We love our neighbor by choosing to see our neighbor as they truly are, especially when it's hardest for us. Whether it's the person who lied to us or hurt us, or the cashier or barista who it's so easy to forget what they look like or to not look them in the eyes, or the person taking up the aisle at Kroger, our coworker, our classmate. We start by loving them, by seeing them for who they truly are, by trying to see them through the eyes of Christ and remember that they belong to God just as much as we do. We really only love God by how much we love the person we love the least. So how are we going to love people? How are we going to love the person we want to love the least? The person we want to ignore? How are we going to fulfill the second greatest commandment? Because that's who we're meant to be. A people who love God. And because of that love, we can't help but love other people. But love our neighbor. Because 
We're not called to be the people of Jesus' hometown who ran him out for even suggesting that God's grace extended to the people they despised. We're meant to be a people who hear this good news that God has come. And we can't help but let others know with what we say and how we treat them. And we go forward knowing it's not going to be easy at all. We go forward knowing that we walk this road with one another. And our Savior is leading the way, saying, I have showed you what to do. I've showed you who you're meant to be. So let's go be those disciples together. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you have called us to love our neighbor. And you know how hard that is. Your neighbors ran you out of your hometown. Your neighbors put you up on a cross. Help us to love. Help us to remember whose they are. Give us your eyes, O Lord, so that we may follow after you and love our neighbor and love our God. Amen.